I didn't really know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to be a rock star or something like that. I was into music at the time. What do you want to be? Everyone ponders that question. Do you follow your passion or do you want to follow the money? What if you follow the path of least resistance? It's our final episode of our first season of entrepreneurship. We're going to be talking to a wannabe rock star, Spy Gear Purveyor. Let's do this. Let me introduce you to Alan Walton. He's the founder of Spy Guy, an online spy shop. He sells hidden cameras and or hidden camera detectors, among other things. I really want to tell you Alan's story because it's the opposite of everything everyone tells you you have to do to be successful. He didn't follow his passion. He didn't go to college. He didn't grow up managing multiple businesses. He wasn't that kid with the paper route who paid his own landline and had a subscription to Forbes. There were no posters of CEOs on his wall, is what I'm trying to tell you. Alan was a regular kid growing up in Dallas, Texas. Alan, you tell it better. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I'm Alan Walton. I run spyguy.com, which is a essentially an online spy shop. We sell things like hidden cameras, GPS trackers, covert audio, bug detectors, and other weird stuff. Uh, I started Spy Guy back in 2014, so early 2014. Uh, I guess it's been just over seven years now. And then I've been uh, I've been slinging spy gear since uh, 2009. I've worked at a couple of other companies and uh, just been in this niche for, I guess, like 12 years now. Well, how did you get into this field? You must be a long-term spy gear enthusiast who's dreamed of working in this industry, right? <laughs> uh, I was living at home. I'd already graduated from high school, uh, did not go to college. And I was playing World of Warcraft for like 14 hours a day. And uh, my parents were not super happy about that. And one day we were eating at a restaurant and there was a spy shop next door that I've, I had known about and seen while growing up and they had a help wanted sign. And so my parents made me apply. <laughs> and uh, I guess I never heard anything back. And my parents were like, you should go in there and find out if uh, uh, they're still looking for somebody. And so I went over there and I was nervous and everything, but uh, the owner of the store uh, ended up being the person uh, that I first saw when I walked in and I was given an interview on the spot and ended up getting the job. And so I worked at that place for a couple of years and that's kind of where I learned sales and inventory management and just really finding the right product for uh, customers who needed a solution to whatever problem they were going through. Oh, I see. You were like 18 or so when you started here? Still kind of an apple cheek teen? <laughs> no, I, I was a little bit older than that. I guess I was 21. Uh, I had spent a couple of years on uh, just, you know, hanging around my parents' place uh, instead of going to school. I got to ask you about this high school college phase. Did you know you didn't want to go to college? Was there a specific reason for this? Yeah, out of high school, I mean, I, I guess I was burnt out on, you know however many years of schooling. I didn't have good grades. I couldn't get into college. I uh, didn't have any money to go to college. Um, I didn't understand how the whole college process worked. My school didn't really explain that to me, I guess. Uh, I remember, like, I was senior year, like, just a few months before graduation. I remember thinking, like, oh, I'm, like, maybe I need to apply to college or something. And I went to my school counselor. I was like, hey, are you, like, gonna help me go to college or what what do I need to do and then she like literally laughed in my face 
and said that was too late. <laughs> and so I was pretty fed up with school at the time. And so just hung around. My parents uh, got big into video games, um, particularly World of Warcraft. Uh, spent a lot of time playing that. And uh, yeah, just wasted a few good years. So all my friends went off to college and I was just kind of, you know, staying staying at home. Were you one of those entrepreneurial kids then? You know, my parents had a family business growing up, um, manufacturing clothing, um, but it wasn't something that I was like super interested in. Um, the, the, like I was definitely around the business. Uh, you know, my parents would pick me up from school and then they would take me over to their work and I would be there until like 8 p.m. And so I would find like, you know, odd jobs to do here and there. Um, you know, sweep floors, put some items together, pack up shipments, hand them to the UPS guy. But, you know, entrepreneurship was, wasn't necessarily anything that I thought like, hey, this seems really cool. This is something that I want to do. Okay, the spy shop. Was this shop a famous landmark in your hometown? Was it a hot new place that you just couldn't resist? No, no. And I mean, it had been there like for the previous you know, 10, 15 years or something like that. And this was like next order a restaurant that I grew up eating at with my parents, like every couple of weeks or something. So it's like one of those weird situations. It's like a building you pass by for like 15 years and you never go into it. And then one day, all of a sudden you're there like all the time. And uh, that I guess that's what happened to me. And so I ended up getting a job there and working for a couple of years. And uh, like, I didn't know that they had multiple locations. Like, I just thought that was the only one shop, but it ended up being like they had a chain of stores in the Dallas area and that I ended up working at all of them. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of the story. Alan's lack of passion is undeniable. Alan, tell him why you applied to this job. Is there something about spying that inspired you? Uh, I guess the main things were I already knew that they needed work. And so that <laughs> made things a little bit easier. Then I'd never been into the shop because it was really sketchy looking, like really seedy. And so I didn't, uh, I had never been in. I just always kind of like looked through the windows, but they were tinted, so I could never really see anything. Um, but uh, yeah, they sold electronics. Spy gear was always cool. I liked Casino Royale. Uh, uh, it just seemed like an interesting opportunity. They also did like, you know, security cameras and installations and stuff for businesses and whatnot. And I was like, okay, this is kind of up my alley because I like electronics. I'm tech savvy. I uh, I think James Bond is cool, and maybe I'll meet some cool people working here. When you started, were you motivated by something in particular? Because it's a big transition to go from video games for four years into a full-time job. Uh, I guess there were a few things. Um, certainly having to earn a commission. Uh, so like there was a base pay, but the big money was if you could hit uh, monthly sales goals and quarterly sales goals. Uh, and so that that taste of money was really nice. <laughs> so I was able to uh, pick up some books, learn more about selling, and how to how to close more deals. Um, and it really just mostly involved like listening to the customer and hearing their problems, and actually really trying to pair them with the thing that's going to like solve that problem or scratch that itch that they have. And so I just got really good at selling. Uh, that was really the thing that I was interested in. Got a little bit into like behavioral psychology, uh, figure out how to communicate with people. I'm pretty introverted and like having conversations with random strangers wasn't something I was super interested in. But eventually after you get enough time, 
uh, and, you know, practice with it. It becomes like second nature. Uh, and so just getting really good at selling, uh, there's like more, you know, at the time I had like Google sheets and I was like analyzing like our sales and figuring out how much stuff I needed to order, or how many items that I needed to have at this particular store because of like how sales were trending and just all this other stuff. But yeah, just really learning how to sell and like know the product super well so that I could answer any question they had without having to like look in the manual or like have uncertainty. Cause once you have that uncertainty, that's when you're gonna lose a sale. This is the picture I'm getting. You fell into this work without a clear passion for the trade. This is really great to hear, by the way, because it's honestly the exact opposite of the advice most people give, which is to follow their passion. And, you know, you didn't really have that. So because of that, what motivated you to start reading books about how to sell? Do you realize how much incentive that takes? Yeah. So the first week of being there was mostly me just like kind of waiting for them to like give me work. Like, and I guess that they did weren't really expecting that. I'm not sure. So they had this big sit down with me like three days after starting where they're like criticizing me for not getting anything done. Where I, whereas I'm like, you guys haven't like given me any work. Like you're supposed to give me instructions and I'd be happy to go after it. And I guess that, you know, sparked them into actually giving me some assignments so then they were like okay you need to just go through all the instruction manuals for every single product in the store and take notes and whatnot and so that's when i really learned the products but then they started moving me around to the different stores so there were four stores at the time and each store had its own full-time manager who was there all day by themselves and i would come in and for the first couple of weeks i was just like working alongside them and so i would learn I would watch them interact with uh, customers that came into the store. I'd see how they would like present the store. So like there's this whole thing about merchandising and how's the store laid out and all this other stuff. Uh, so I picked up a lot of that from them. And then after like the first couple of months, maybe it got to the point where like, okay, on Mondays you're going to be at this store so that that manager can have a day off. And then on Tuesdays you're going to be at this store. And so I would just, they called it a floater position. I would just work at a different store. And it was really interesting in another way that I haven't thought of, but each store was in a different city. And so you got totally different clientele. So one store was in Plano, Texas. Another store was in Louisville. Uh, another store was in Addison. Those are three different types of customers. And then another store was in Highland Park, which is like a really rich area in Dallas. So you got an entirely different type of customer there who had much more disposable income and was much more willing to just like spend a whole lot of money, whereas customers in Louisville, not so much. And so you, you just got to meet a different, a bunch of different customers with a bunch of different problems. And eventually, you know, you kind of see the lay of the land, I guess. And um, yeah. And, and then eventually once I was up to par with the other guys at the at the stores, then that's when I could really like start to see the stuff that they were doing wrong, just using like my own experience or, or something that I read in a book. I could be like, okay, they're actually not doing this right. Like we can clean this up or make it better. That's a lot of initiative. Were you surprised by how hard you were working on this? No, I was mostly just irritated that management didn't know what they were doing. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna figure this out because this is not working the way it needs to work. Like these people aren't running this business right. And I could be making more money if I like fix this for them. <laughs> so yeah, I just took it upon myself, I guess. Six months later, Alan was running his own store and took it upon himself to really clean up the place. Yeah, I was just interested in making higher commissions. And then 
um, you know, after six week, uh, six months of working there, one of the managers of the store, he ended up getting fired. Um, and then they made me the manager of his store. And so that's when I was like, oh, wow, now I can like really flex my muscles because now I'm in charge of all the merchandising. I can clean up this filthy store that like looks super sketchy. Like, I mean, it looked really sketchy. I tried finding a photo of it the other day just so I can have on hand. But like it, it looked like maybe they were selling drugs under the table or something like that. Um, it was really sketchy and really dirty. And I just couldn't believe that people were walking into it and buying stuff. And so I cleaned up the store. Um, I um, I just remember thinking like, hey, I essentially own this shop. And like everything is a direct reflection on me now. Um, so I just need to do the best I can. And by having that store and being there all the time, I could make you know, make real clients who are coming in for recurring business. So like we had wholesale pricing for camera installers and just really trying to grow the business over there um, because I was directly responsible for it. And uh, I ended up working there for like a year and a half. And uh, after I became the manager of that store and it was really cool. You meet a lot of really interesting people and build relationships and really start to get an understanding of the customer and how to convince them to like part with their money. Okay, let me jump in for a minute. As you can hear, Alan was an unexpected machine at selling spy gear. In 18 months, he was a manager at a location and pouring over inventory and reading books on selling. That's huge change for someone who wanted to be a rock star, like a literal rock star. But his success hit a snag that ended up changing the course of his career. Uh, a year and a half later, there were a few things that all happened at once. So um, I ended up, getting demoted actually back to the original role that I had when I started um, by the exact same person who like brought me on board. Um, so she demoted me and suddenly I was like, my income like took a direct hit because I couldn't hit those commission levels. And it had already been kind of difficult because every, uh, every like six months or something like that, they were, would up the commission level. So I would have to hit this amount of sales to get the exact same commission so they just making it harder and harder to make money. But I got demoted. I was pretty unhappy about it. Also, um, there was a popular TV show, uh, a reality show. I want to jump in again. I'm going to cut the name of the show out, but just know that the premise of the show depended on access to high quality spy gear. It'd come on at like 10 p.m. on weeknights. But um, it was a reality TV show and they were actually clients of mine. Um, so the detectives for the show would be purchasing stuff from us. The, the creator of the TV show, he was having lunch down the street from the store that I ran in Addison, Texas. And he saw the spy shop and he was like, wow, why don't we just have a bunch of branded spy shops across the country? We have this national TV show. Why don't we have spy shops? And so he had approached my boss at the time to see if they were partner and like rebrand their stores for a little bit and see if they can get more business that way and maybe open up like franchises and stuff. And my boss wasn't having it at all. And then one day they came into my store, the TV show producer, um, they took me out to lunch and they're like, Hey, can you like do this for us? And I was like, yeah, actually I could. And so they hired me. I like gave my two weeks notice like that same day. And uh, I ended up moving over to that television show and starting an online store for them. So I eventually dissuaded them from doing 
franchises around the country. That sounded like not a great thing to me because I had experience working in a brick and mortar store. Uh, and our biggest competitor at the time was an online um, online spy shop. And I was like, why don't we just do this? And they're like, yeah, go for it. And so they gave me free reign of this company. And I was the CEO of it. All they did was give me like 10 credit cards <laughs> to purchase everything that I needed. And I, you know, we built a website. I bought books on like how to run an online business. And uh, this was back in 2011. And so it was a lot harder back then than it is now to start an online business. Was it hard for you to lead a new business from the ground up? I just want to remind you again that it wasn't that long ago you were playing World of Warcraft. You basically played that game much longer than your career at this point. Um, it wasn't that hard because I already knew where all these products like came from. Um, so I built relationships with suppliers and whatnot. And so I already knew where the merchandise was. I already knew like what products sold well. I already knew what products didn't sell well. And I already had all the relationships and whatnot. Um, the only thing was I like hadn't started it from scratch myself and I'd never sold it online. So, uh, that part, it was a little bit difficult to figure out, but I think we launched like, I want to say it was like three months after I left that company. Um, and uh, hired, built a website. Did you know anything about web development? What did you use? Was Shopify around then? No, we had Yahoo Store and like all of their themes were just trash. And so I had to learn about, um, I had to find like Yahoo Store developers and like figure out a bunch of stuff. And I remember being really stressed out about how do I open a merchant account? This is so hard. Why is it so hard? Uh, it was really difficult at times, but um, you know, there were other people that had figured it out before me and they were post online and whatnot. So I just did a bunch of research and tried to figure it out. How did the business launch? Was there a growth plan? No, I had no clue because they had a television show and they were going to be running ads for the show in the TV show. So they're going to be running ads for the online shop during the TV show, excuse me. And so it was a national show. I didn't really know what to expect at all. I didn't know how much help we needed. I was like, are we going to have to, we're going to be providing phone support. Do I need to hire a bunch of call center people? And so I really didn't know what we were getting into at all. No. <laughs> the business was a huge success with the real DIY premise. It was harder to run a store. This is way before Shopify. While it was hard, the Yahoo store provided Alan with a huge network of advice givers who wanted to help him. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it, it was hard at the time, and it was way more expensive than it is now. I mean, now you can just get like a $100 Shopify theme or even just a free Shopify theme, and it works great. And it's so simple, and you can be up and running in no time. But back then, I mean, you had to find a developer that actually knew an entirely different programming language called RTML, and there were only like three developers in that Yahoo store ecosystem. And uh, there weren't really any online forums at the time. It was mostly just like a bunch of random like websites where people kind of congregated. Um, eventually, like the store was doing really well financially, like our sales were great. And so we caught the attention of the people who ran Yahoo store, uh, had a special account manager assigned to us. They would do like annual events at the Yahoo headquarters in Sunnyvale. And so I guess meet a lot of other Yahoo store owners. It was really cool. Um, I've always wondered why Shopify doesn't do that. I think that would be so cool. But Yahoo used to like bring us all out for like a massive three-day conference with like open bars and like endless, you know, uh, 
just go to a Brazilian steakhouse, all you can eat. And it was just like a party. And I made so many friends there. And I guess that's another, like a big lesson, like, um, that I learned at the time was that because I was young, people were way more willing to help me out than they are now (laughs) because I'm not young anymore. And so I really took advantage of the fact that I was young and people like respected that and were wanting to help me succeed. Me again. Alan's time with the show fizzled out. He left that company without a backup plan. He'd been crushing it as an online spy seller for about four years now. I asked him if he was scared to do this without a plan. I had no backup plan at all. I didn't do anything for like a full month. I was mostly just tired and irritated that it like fell apart um, and that my boss like didn't respect me and I didn't respect him. And it was just like really just a pretty... I had to decompress for like a month. And then after about a month, I was like, okay, what am I going to do here? And so I ran through a bunch of different ideas. Uh, and then eventually it was just like, you know, I already, I've already worked at one spy shop. I started another one using some other guy's money. And that was a success. Why don't I just try to do this thing again? But this time I actually like have equity. So um, yeah, at the other place, they gave me 5% equity and then a salary. And I was really happy with that at the time. And then eventually I realized that that wasn't a good idea (laughs) or that wasn't a good reward for like what I was actually doing. And then I was like, okay, if I do this whole thing by myself, I think I can be bigger than those two previous companies I was at. And I think I could actually own like the entire business. And so I got to work on that. Like, uh, I want to say it was like a couple months after I left. Setting up his own shop rekindled his ambitions. He was loving it. Yeah. um, It was... I actually look back on it pretty fondly, like those three months of getting everything going because I was writing product descriptions. I was taking photos of products like in my second bedroom. And I just, I enjoyed doing the grunt work, I guess, of getting the website up up and running. I want to jump in and talk about the spy gear industry for a minute. Alan crushed it with two separate businesses and was about to launch a third. Does that mean it's easy? Listen to Alan break down why the spy gear industry is not friendly to upstart companies. I mean, that's that's like a relatively recent thing. Like maybe the last three years, I've really realized like how difficult the space is. I've got a lot of friends now that run successful, you know, service-based businesses or other e-commerce businesses. And they have it easier in a lot of ways. Their lifetime value, they have customers that place repeat orders. We don't get that. People who buy from us, they've got a problem. They buy the item that fixes it. And then that's like basically it. Um, So it's really hard to get repeat business. And so when you have high customer acquisition costs via like Facebook or Google or something like that, typically you make it up on the back end, right? Like you get them on the email list and then they make more purchases or it's like a consumable product. And so they just keep buying more stuff. Whereas Spy Guy just doesn't fit the bill there. Um, also we're just limited in the products that we sell. So, um, you know, nobody's really making new stuff. And so it's really hard to get people excited, um, through our email list because it's just like the same items over and over again. Whereas other brands are like brand new, totally have this product limited run. Like they just have all these things going for them product wise, whereas I don't, um, it's electronics, it's low margin, actually manufacturing this stuff takes time. If you want to build a product from scratch, it takes two years. Um, whereas if you're doing like soft goods, like a bag or something like that, or something that's injectable plastic, easy. Uh, 
yeah, tech support. Um, you have customers who they don't, uh, a lot of them aren't tech savvy. And then uh, it's really hard to find people who need spy gear also. So um, it's not like Facebook where if you're trying to find guitarists, like it's pretty easy, right? To find people on Instagram or whatever who play guitar and show ads to them. Uh, it's really hard to find somebody who needs a hidden camera or who needs a who needs a bug detector because they think that like there's a camera in their Airbnb or something like that. It's hard to find those people. How did the launch go? After the first year, so the first year we did like a hundred grand in revenue or something like that. And the second year, I ended up hiring somebody to run our Google Ads campaigns. Uh, ended up being a good friend. His name's Travis. He was really to put the he was really able to do the Google Ads thing into Overdrive. And uh, we ended up doing a million dollars in sales, like in the first 18 months. A million dollars? Well, let me clear that up. So from April, or excuse me, from May, like late May to the end of the year, it was about 100,000 in sales. And then I'm trying to remember exactly. Over the course of like the next, I want to say it was like 10 months or something like that we were able to get to like a million. I don't know. It's been a while. I'm trying to remember. How? Google ads? Yeah. No, it it really was the Google ads. Like we were just able to build out those campaigns and use a lot of really great keywords and get our bidding strategy sorted out, come up with really nice ad copy and whatever. Um, it, It just ended up working really, really well for us. Did it keep growing? Oh yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah. I was basically at their level um like very quickly and the business grew like for the next couple of years and then there was like a period there where it was just kind of stagnant because i got bored with it i had like fulfilled the dream i guess you could say and i just was really uninterested in the business and so it just kind of stayed flat for like a few years wait 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 how did it feel for you you were demoted a few years prior you left your other company not on great terms now you're all caught up with your original boss? I mean, probably. I, I don't know. It's been a while since I thought about like how I felt about stuff back then. But I'm certain that I was like gloating that, that you know, those guys had been running. So like the first employer, like they were, they started in 1995 or something like that. And I had already like caught up to them after just a year of doing it on my own. And I'm like, I'm way better than you guys so yeah i'm sure i was full of myself and thinking like oh man this was so easy and you guys like didn't even like you guys have been trying to grow for like years and i just figured it out like overnight practically overnight like it was it was a long time coming right but um alan's story goes full circle remember that guy who played video games instead of going to college the same guy who'd never had a passion for this work but was massively successful at it anyway that guy had to deal with success And it was kind of hard. It influenced the way the business operated. He opened up with me about that. I kind of, I kind of like float around there sometimes. Like sometimes I'm just more interested than others. And so right now I'm definitely interested in it. But yeah, there was like a period there where I was just like straight up depressed because I was making more income than I knew what to do with. And I was uninterested in the business. Like if I'm being honest, this niche is... Like I've just been in it a long time and I've heard I've and done like everything that there is to do. Um, the products, like there's nobody, like these products that we sell, like there's no innovation. Um, 
there's in fact a lot of the products that we've sold like have gotten discontinued so like some of our best sellers just discontinued because of things like well right now like because of the chip shortage and whatnot but manufacturers you know they go out of business product stops getting made um it's a it's a difficult niche and i mean we could talk about that if you want there's a lot of things that make my business different than other e-commerce stores and it just makes it hard so i was uninterested because i was i already had a bunch of money i'd already set out what i was going to do i didn't create new goals for myself i was spending a lot of t- at the time i was spending a uh a lot of time going to conferences and meeting people and i just really enjoyed doing that um socializing which it's funny because we just talked earlier about how I didn't like that uh, growing up and whatnot, but it was really fun just being able to hang out and associate with like really successful people and um, because of what I built. And so I was pretty uninterested in spy guy. And then the hard times came, right? Like stuff started going downhill cause I'd strayed too much and uh, then I get back interested into it again. And then I solve those problems and I just get disinterested. Yeah, it's a hard niche. Uh, a lot of me, you know, wishes that I'd moved on by now into other spaces. Uh, and so that's kind of what I'm prepping for right now. It's just fixing up everything around here as much as I can, cleaning up operations, hitting good financials, and then either putting somebody in charge of it or selling it and moving on to something else one day. Alan is still crushing it at Spy Guy. If you need to get some gear, go to spyguy.com. You also heard him talking about a services plan. He has a new company called, wait for it, Fly Guy, where he helps entrepreneurs convert the points they accumulate on their business accounts into luxury travel experiences. Check it out at flyguytravel.com. I really enjoyed that story. It reminds us that there's always room to adapt no matter what is going on with us. Objects is a Ship Hero product produced by Matt Schmiel. Theme music by Yeti Music. If you have an object you want us to profile, send a note to me, your host, John Joaquin, to pitch at shiphero.com. I promise to read every pitch that comes in. We're always on the lookout for a new object to cover. To get more info and episode details and more links to the stuff that we talk about, visit shiphero.com slash objects. Until next episode, take care, be safe, and stay curious.